Let me tell you the secret, the real secret of being a Christian. Your church is a good start. It's got the basics, but it's missing something. Let me tell you what you're missing. Yeah, I used to go to a church like yours. I didn't realise how much more there was until I discovered... If you want to grow as a Christian, the secret is... Now, I get really nervous when I hear people saying those kinds of things. So this might sound strange, but as I've prepared the Bible talk for today... I really have discovered the secret of the Christian life. And probably not everyone will agree with what I say, but if you get this, this will transform your spiritual life. And this is not a trick. This really is the secret of the Christian life. The secret to being a Christian is Jesus. God's secret or Mystery is the word used here. The mystery to unlocking the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's Jesus. Colossians 2 verse 1. I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who've not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God. Namely, that is, Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So right there at the start of today's passage, Paul is saying that Jesus is God's mystery, where great things are hidden What does that actually mean? Why does he call Jesus a mystery? Because the word mystery here just means secret. How is is Jesus a secret? There's two kinds of secrets, aren't there? There's the kind of secret that is meant to be kept forever. Like when you do something embarrassing and you don't want anyone else to find out about it ever, so you keep it a secret. No one's going to find out about that. But there's another kind of secret or mystery where you actually want everyone to know about it. It's just that it was kept hidden or secret for a little while, like a surprise birthday party. That's a great secret, but you wouldn't want the person whose party it was never to find out about it. No, the point is that they will find out about it. Or when a new model of phone is released, you know, everyone's trying to guess what it'll be like. It's a mystery, but then out it comes and everyone's meant to know about it. Or like when the winner of the Academy Awards is announced. It was a secret, but then the envelope is opened and here it is. It was a mystery, but it was kept hidden, but now it's revealed and it's time for everyone to know about it. And that's uh, what Paul means, how he's using the word mystery here. The secret is Jesus, but it's the surprise birthday kind of secret and it's now time for everyone to know about it. Last week, Paul described this mystery as the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, so it was hidden, but now it has been disclosed, revealed to the saints. See, there was a time when people didn't know who the Christ, who the Messiah was. They knew he was coming, but they didn't know who it was, but now they do. It's Jesus. And so today's passage is 
not just about that Jesus is the secret. It's also that there is no other secret. If you have Jesus, you have everything. So that's what we're going to be thinking about. And you can see that on your outline there. Jesus is all we need. Don't be deceived. Stick with Jesus. Let's work our way through the passage and see how Paul is encouraging them that Jesus is everything they need. So beginning from verse 2 there, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. Paul wants this new little church that we've been hearing about the past few weeks in Colossae to be encouraged in their hearts. He wants them to be genuinely excited about what he's been writing about for, that we've been looking at the last few weeks, all about Jesus. And he wants them to be united as a church, in love, working together, not going in different directions, looking for new things, but sticking with Jesus. Verse 2, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now that sentence is very long. I had to take about three breaths to get through it. It hurts my brain, so let's just unpack it a little bit and see what's going on. Firstly, verse 2, Paul wants them to have the full riches of complete understanding. Okay, this is about knowing something, knowing something properly, knowing something richly. Paul wants this Colossian church to be confident that they have this knowledge about Jesus right. He wants them to have deep conviction about this. He wants them to really know it. Why? Why is it so important? Verse 2, next bit of the sentence, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. So this isn't just about knowing something. This is about knowing Jesus. Not just knowing about Jesus like you might know about Don Bradman if you read an article about him. No, he wants them to know Christ. Like you know your mum or you know your brother or you know your best friend. He wants them to experience a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Why does he want them to know Jesus? Verse 3. Because in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Knowing Jesus is like having the tree, the key to a treasure chest of infinite treasure. And not just any treasure, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Everything that you need to know how to live and negotiate life. Everything that you need to know to know God. Everything that you need to know to love God. Everything to give your life meaning and purpose and hope. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Not just so that you can live life, but so that you can live life the way God intended you to live. In Jesus Christ, we have all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you're anything like me, it's easy to take that for granted, isn't it? Four years ago, 
We had a really wet year. Don't know if you can even remember back that far, but I reckon most of us living in Dubbo, we took water for granted. We complained when it was raining because we couldn't get the washing dry. I certainly did. There was water everywhere. We became familiar with it. We grew tired of it. It was just another rainy day. And then a drought changes things, doesn't it? Because people's lawns are dying. People's gardens are dying. And we've been reminded of how precious water is. Now, we all knew it, but we were reminded of its value. You know, it's raining and everyone runs and looks out the window or they take a photo and they post it on Facebook, a photo of rain, a little bit of rain and everything's turning green again. Plain old water. But we need it. It's liquid gold. We've always had it, but now we have a fresh appreciation of how valuable it is. Paul wants the Colossians to appreciate how valuable Jesus is. We saw this two weeks ago. He is the image of the invisible God. He is God, our creator, in the flesh. Everything was made by him and for him. He's the one who made us. And yet we saw also he's the one who gave his precious life for us so that we could be forgiven. He's the one who can present us before God without wrinkle or blemish or stain. In him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus told a story about this, didn't he? There was a man out in the paddock and he's uh, digging out there and bang, his treasure, his uh, shovel hits something. He digs around a bit. What is it? Is it a pipe? No, they didn't have water pipes back then. Is it a tree root? No. It's some kind of a box or something. And he digs a bit more and he looks in this box. And what is in this box? Treasure. Massive treasure. The the Bible doesn't tell us what the treasure is. Use your imagination. Big gold nugget, loads of cash, who knows. But this treasure is so valuable. He goes, he buries it again. He goes home. He sells everything that he has. And he buys the field so that he can have the treasure. This treasure is so valuable. Jesus is more valuable than anything else. And I think there's times when we catch a glimpse of this, don't we? And we say, yes, Jesus is everything. I will give up everything for Jesus. I see his value. Compared to, to everything else, there's nothing compared to him. And there's other times where we take him for granted, and so we need to be reminded. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's reminding the Colossians of what they have in Jesus. And in particular, the reason he's reminding them here in this letter of how valuable Jesus is, is because it seems that there were people around in Paul's day, around the Colossian church, that were saying that Jesus isn't enough that you need more than Jesus. Look at verse 4. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Now, we're going to think about what those arguments are next week, but verse 5. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. 
So even though Paul describes the Colossians' faith here as orderly and firm, even the most solid Christians can be tricked or deceived by someone coming along and saying, no, you don't have it all. Let me tell you the real secret of Christianity. And Paul's saying, no, there is no other secret. You don't need anything else. Don't be tricked by anyone who comes along and says, Jesus is not enough. Now, there are so many scams out there on the internet. I'm sure in a group this big, a lot of you have already been scammed. You've given your credit card to someone you shouldn't, or you've given your login details. I don't know. We've heard about them so much. There's ads everywhere. You'd think you'd have to be a complete idiot to fall for one. And yet, a few weeks ago, I nearly did. I was on the internet, and up came this um, uh, news ad on the webpage from the ABC, credible um, newspaper, the secret the banks don't want you to know about. Oh, that looks interesting. What do the banks not want me to know about? Maybe this is something out about the Royal Commission, or maybe... The... So I clicked on it. And then came up this article, uh, ABC um, at the top, Dick Smith's photo. I thought, oh, Dick Smith, you know, I used to work for Dick Smith. This sounds legitimate. So I started reading, what don't the banks want me to know about? They don't want me to know that I can make a lot of money if I invest in Bitcoin. You know, just sign your money away now. I thought, all right, this is a scam, right? The whole thing was fake. It wasn't the ABC website. It just was made fake to look like it. Dick Smith wasn't endorsing it. They just grabbed a photo of him and stuck it on there. It was completely made up. And even though I'm pretty savvy with the internet and I know there's stupid scams out there, I actually clicked on it. It got me at least reading about it. The same thing can happen with us as Christians. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. See, it sounds good. And I've heard these things plenty of times. You know, Jesus is a good start, but he will get you into a relationship with God. But if you really want to have victory in your Christian life, if you really want to defeat sin, you need this, you know. Fill in the blank. Jesus is a good start, but do you speak in tongues? Jesus is a good start, but you really need to use this translation of the Bible. And all these things come round and go round, and we know they're stupid, and the Bible warns us against them, but in our weakness as Christians... When our struggle against sin is actually hard work and it's tiring and if we're feeling spiritually weary and in our own disappointments at ourselves, and even in our genuine desire to want to grow as a Christian, these new ideas can trick us. Yes, I, I want more. I want to experience God more deeply. Maybe this is the answer. No, Paul says, no, it's not. There is no other secret. If you have Jesus, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's not like Jesus is the entree and then, you know, you've got to go on to the main course, which is better. Jesus is the entree and he's the main course and he's the dessert. He's all that you will ever need. You never move on from Jesus. It's like when you walked into church this morning. You walked in through the foyer, but then you come into the auditorium where all the singing and all the action is. 
It's not like Jesus is the foyer, but then, you know, once you're a Christian, little while you go through those doors to the next phase of what is the new great secret to being a Christian. Jesus is all you need. And that's not because God doesn't want you to have anything greater than Jesus. It's because there is nothing greater. When you become a Christian and you know Jesus Christ, you have everything. And when someone comes along and says, no, let me tell you about this something more, they're saying that Jesus isn't enough. They're saying that Jesus doesn't have all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. When I was really young Christian, so I was still at high school, we had these people come around through our church doing some kind of a, a ministry thing, and they, were, they came to our church and they were saying, if you had struggles in your Christian life that you've been battling with for a long time, this night will give you a breakthrough, this night of deliverance or something or other. And it really resonated with me as a young Christian because I wanted to know God more and I wanted to grow as a Christian and I was feeling stale, so I went along to their night. And so they invited me out the front and they had people put their hands on my head and they were detecting all kinds of things in my family's past and they were claiming that there was links with masonry and things and they they could deliver me from it. And I said, yes, yeah, I want to be delivered from that. And so they said some loud things and prayed and... I went away, went home, nothing really changed. I thought the whole thing was a bit weird, but pretty harmless. But it's not harmless, is it? Because anyone who claims to have a secret on how you can get to know God better, a secret breakthrough, they're actually saying that Jesus, good old ordinary Jesus, is not enough. It's saying that Jesus' death was not powerful enough to save you. It's saying that Jesus' spirit is not powerful enough to change you. It's saying that Jesus' grace is not enough to forgive you. Paul is saying, no, Jesus really is all that you need. So don't take for granted what you have in him. Don't take your eyes off him. Because if you start to look for other things, you may be deceived. I tell you this. I tell you all that you have in Christ, verse 4, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Well, if you're here this morning and you are excited that Jesus is all you need in the Christian life, that is great. But if you're feeling weak or disappointed um, and, and feeling like maybe you might be seduced by something new, the answer is never to look for something new. The answer is always to look to Jesus, and that's where Paul ends this section. If Jesus really is all that we need, if there is no other special secret, then what we need to do is to stand firm in Jesus, be growing deeper in him, verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. 
How do you move forward in your Christian walk? How do you grow as a Christian? How are you strengthened as a Christian? It is by staying exactly where you are. By that I mean rooted in Christ. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. How did you receive Christ Jesus as Lord? How did you start as a Christian? You probably, like everyone else, heard about what he did for you on the cross. You came to realise that he's the king and the creator of this world and he's your Lord. You realised that you needed to repent and give your life over to him and ask him for forgiveness. That's how you receive Jesus as Lord. And Paul says, in exactly the same way as you received him as Lord, that's how you continue on. You continue to acknowledge Jesus as your king. You continue to bring every area of your life under him as your king. You continue to find things in your life that you've done wrong and you repent and you, and you ask Jesus for forgiveness. In the same way that you received Christ Jesus as Lord... You continue on in him. And then Paul has these great word pictures to help us appreciate that. Verse 7, rooted in him, like a tree with its roots in the ground. A tree doesn't move, it stays there. You come to church every week and those trees out the front, they're in exactly the same place. Dogs move round, cats move round, cows move round, sheep move round, people move round. Trees, they put their roots down into the ground and they stay there. Now, they might spread their roots and put them down deeper to make themselves more secure, but that is exactly that, isn't it? To make them more secure. Paul says, stay rooted in Christ. Don't move. Then he says, build yourself up in Christ. And verse 7, he says, strengthened in the faith as you are taught. Not strengthened by some new teaching, no, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And then he says, overflowing with thankfulness. for all, Why? For all that Christ, God has done for you in Christ. Now, this is not something that gets boring. Sure, going to church at times can be boring, and reading your Bible can at times feel like you're going through the motions, but getting to know Christ Jesus more, that's what we live for. That's not boring. If ever in your Christian life you feel like you're missing out or lacking excitement or whatever, it's not because you need something new or more. It's that you need to appreciate the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that you already have in Jesus. So at the risk of sounding boring, but please realise this is anything but boring, I want to encourage you to keep going in exactly the same way that you started. How did you find out about Jesus? How do we do that? His word. Just keep reading it. When you get home today, read it. Pray that God would reveal his son Jesus to you as you read. Pray that he would open the eyes of your heart, that you would know him better. And when you wake up tomorrow morning, do it again. And when you wake up the next day, do it again. And don't just do it by yourself, do it with other people. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart 
and united in love. And again, at the risk of sounding boring, but please realise this is anything but boring, join a growth group. The aim of our growth groups is to help you continue with Jesus Christ as your Lord. And if you can't get to a growth group, at least find someone else you can meet up with and pray with and read God's word with. Maybe read through some Psalms and think about how they uh, point forward to Jesus. Maybe read some of the other letters, not just Colossians, but Ephesians and Philippians, because Paul starts all those letters reminding those churches about Jesus. Maybe read through the Gospels and fall in love with Jesus again. And if you're feeling like you're distracted or you've lost touch with Jesus or you're not rooted in him or or you don't know how to keep going in Christ, talk to someone. Ask for help. This is not something that you have to do alone. We want to present each other perfect in Christ. We saw that last week. Talk to me, talk to Al, talk to Dave, talk to a growth group leader, talk to a Christian friend who you trust, talk to anyone. Let them lead you back to Jesus because in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And friends, we don't want to miss out on that. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Let's pray. Father God, like Paul prayed for the Colossian church at the start of this letter, we pray now that you might, by your spirit, through all spiritual wisdom and understanding, help us to know your will. More than that, we pray that you would help us to know you, to know your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that you would open the eyes of our heart so that we would see all the riches that are ours in Christ, that we would marvel at him and his glory. Father, that we would be amazed at the love he showed for us when he gave himself on the cross. Father, we pray that we would delight in him, that as he is in us and we are in him, we would overflow with thankfulness. So, Father, help us all to continue with Jesus Christ as Lord. Amen.